Well, just as the choir just reminded us there in that song about the strong name of the Lord, in several places in the Bible, we're reminded that that's indeed uh, what we can count on. We can count on the name of the Lord. And it reminds us that when we pray, listen, we just don't pray generically. When we pray, it's important for us to remember why we can so boldly approach the throne of God. And that is because we do not approach in our own name. You know, on this earth, we'll all have different accolades. We'll all be received in different ways, and we'll all have different things said about us. But, but whatever is said about us, however great we might be in our own eyes or in the eyes of others, whatever our degrees might be or our promotions might be, understand this. We approach the throne of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, prayer doesn't have to be complicated. It really doesn't. The Lord Jesus Christ, you know, told those children that children could come right unto him. When he prayed, he, he didn't pray a real long, complicated prayer. The Lord Jesus taught us how to pray. He taught us how to start. And he said, when you pray, you just talk to your father. You just, you just talk to a holy God who has done everything within his power who has spared no expense for you to be able to know him in a personal way. And so when we pray to God our Father, when we pray to our dear Lord, comfort to us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about prayer. Because in all the things that James talks about in this letter, how he starts this letter talking to these dear folks about their trials and their tribulations and their temptations. He talks to them about how, how their speech and how uh, conflict can disrupt uh, uh, the life of a church. He talked to them about how they need to have wisdom in life. But he ends this letter with reminding them of a great word of encouragement, and that is this. Whatever happens to you, whatever you go through in this life, understand this, you can always pray. That's why I'm calling this sermon today, don't just stand there, pray something. 
You don't have to just stand there. You can always pray something. But listen, prayer, prayer can be one of the most intimidating words in the Bible. Isn't that the truth? I don't know why, but it is. We often struggle with prayer. We often feel guilty about our prayer life. Oftentimes, we're just not sure that our prayers are good enough. Sometimes, we're not sure if we're praying or if we're talking to ourselves. Do we have to have our eyes closed? Can we pray uh, standing up? Do we have to be kneeling down? I mean, we have all these concerns. Prayer can be intimidating. And then you read about people that have followed Christ, like great, great church leaders like Martin Luther, who supposedly said, I have so much to do today that I shall have to spend the first three hours in prayer. And usually by the time I remember quotes like that, I've already wasted three hours that day. And it can be very intimidating about prayer. I read about prayer warriors like a man called Praying Hyde of India, or David Brainerd, who prayed in, listen to this, he prayed in knee-deep snow, they say, for so long and so vigorously that the snow around him melted and he ended up catching pneumonia and died. Now that's praying, folks. I mean, that's taking prayer very seriously. And then don't forget about the man they called Old Camel Knees. Now that's a nickname that'll stick, Camel Knees, all right? And that is James who is credited with the letter of the Bible that we're studying today, James. He was called Old Camel Knees because supposedly he spent so much time on his knees in prayer that his knees became so callous that they looked like the knees of a camel. Now, I want you to understand something this morning, please. And that is this. I do not want us to think about prayer as a religious exercise. Did you hear that? Prayer is not a religious exercise. It is a human necessity. That's what I want us to learn today. Prayer is not just a religious exercise. It is a human necessity. You know, listen, in one way or another, people throughout human existence have prayed. We know down deep inside of ourselves that we need someone to turn to, don't we, during life's difficult situations. We know, we know we need someone to talk with about what we encounter in this life. Deep down, we know we need somewhere to run in this life, someone to talk with, but prayer is much more than a religious exercise. So I want you to do something right now for me. I want, first of all, I want you to relax, all right? All right? I don't want you to go to sleep. I just want you to relax, all right? Now I want you to do something for me. I want everyone in here to take a deep breath, literally. Just exhale, and everybody inhale. Get a good, let's do it again, all right? A couple of you haven't breathed for about 30 minutes, all right? So let's just come on. Come on, get with it now. Everybody exhale, get it out, and everybody take a deep breath in. All right, yeah, there you go, all right? What I want you to consider is this. Listen, breathing is not a priority. It's not. Breathing is not a priority. Breathing is a necessity. Air, air is not important. Air is essential. Let me say that again. Breathing is not a priority. It is a necessity. Air is not important. It is essential. And that's how we should view prayer. 
Prayer is not just a priority, it is a necessity. Prayer is not just important in our lives, it is essential. Listen, you don't have to think about breathing. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought that you don't really spend much time thinking about breathing, except right then when I told you to exhale and take a deep breath, this whole worship service, for the most part, no one in here has passed out. You've been breathing, you've, been, you've even done things while you've been breathing. Some of you even sang. I mean, you, were, you, you did activity while you're breathing. You walk while you breathe. You can drive a car when you breathe. You can watch television, read your Bible. You can do all kinds of things when you breathe. You don't, listen, you don't think about breathing because the atmosphere of the earth, listen to this, I read about this, the atmosphere of the earth actually exerts pressure on our lungs and essentially forces you and me to breathe. Listen, that's why it's more difficult to hold your breath than it is to breathe. Have you ever thought about that? We just breathe as a natural behavior. And similarly, listen, when we're born into the family of God, you and I enter into a spiritual atmosphere where God's presence and God's grace actually begins to exert pressure or influence on our lives to cause us to desire and know we need to pray. Listen, prayer is a normal response to the pressure that we feel in our lives. As believers, listen, we've all entered into God's presence. We have his Holy Spirit in our life, and that's prompting us to seek him in prayer. Listen, unfortunately, we have a problem. Many of us as believers are actually holding our breath when it comes to prayer. Today, I want us to exhale and to understand that it is God's desire for him to lead us and to prompt us to simply seek him in prayer and for us to see prayer as essential as breathing, for us to see prayer as something that even a child can do and for us to not make prayer as complicated as we so often make it. Understanding that when we pray, it is as much as exhaling and inhaling in our relationship with Almighty God. So I want you to do something. Take your Bible in hand. Let's stand as we read our scripture. I want you to stand for the Bible reading of the day. James chapter 5. Look with me now at verse 13. Here's, what's, here's what God's word tells us. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again. And heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. 
Father, I, I want to pray, Lord, now to you that you will help us to understand your teaching on prayer today, Lord. That you help us to understand that, God, you've invited us into a relationship with you. That we can talk with you as we walk with you. Lord, I pray today that you'll comfort hearts, that you'll strengthen our walk. Lord, that you'll convict us where conviction of sin is needed in our lives. And Lord, may we praise you. May we be willing to repent of sin. May we ask in faith and may we yield our lives to you. Oh God, I pray the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight, oh Lord, this day. May I not complicate this scripture. May I simply uh, point people to the to the Bible, Lord, and may you build us and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you and be seated. You know, it's interesting when you look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus, he prays. The Gospel of Luke is an interesting gospel of the Bible to read. Maybe you want to read through the Gospel of Luke this week, the week of the Lord's Passion, this holy week. And you'll read and often just look for how Jesus prayed in the Gospel of Luke. For instance, Luke chapter 3, Jesus prays at his baptism and the heavens opened and the voice of God spoke. Luke chapter 5, when the crowds increased, Jesus withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. Luke 6, before Jesus chose his disciples, he went to a mountain and he spent the whole night praying. Luke chapter 9, Jesus was praying in private before he asked the disciples to confess that he was the Son of God. And later in Luke chapter 9, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on a mountain to pray. And there he was transfigured before them. Listen, life is filled with pressure as well as pleasure. And understand there are going to be mountaintops and there are going to be valleys. There's going to be sunshine and there's going to be rain. There's going to be happiness and there's going to be heartache. But whatever our situations, Almighty God enables us to cope with whatever life throws our way. And prayer, the prayer of faith, is how we are to approach this life. Now, it's interesting, here in James chapter 5, it's a tremendous lesson for the church because James here reminds us as the church that we're to be a place of refuge for those who are hurting and are in need of prayer. And I'm so thankful, as I'm sure you are, that we have the church to turn to in our times of need for comfort and for consolation and for encouragement. And understand, when we do that as a church, when we pray for one another, we are absolutely doing God's will and are being what we're to be as the church. Now, it's interesting. When you look at this passage, if you were to look in your Bible with me, at James 5, 13 to 18, in every single verse that is noted here in this text, you will see the mention of prayer, about praying, about how we're to pray, and about to learn to be people of prayer. Now, so often it seems in our day and age that people are too busy to pray. We find ourselves rushing from this to that, and we'll say, I just don't know that I have time to pray. I think about how Bill Hybels, pastor outside Chicago, he, he actually took that idea of being too busy to pray, and he kind of he turned it a little bit, and he wrote this book, and he titled the book, Too Busy Not to Pray. And this is a quote from that book. He writes, prayer is an unnatural activity from birth. We've learned the rules of self-reliance as we strain and struggle to achieve self-sufficiency. 
Prayer flies in the face of those deep-seated values. It is an assault on human autonomy, an indictment of independent living. To people in the fast lane determined to make it on their own, prayer is an embarrassing interruption. Prayer is alien to our proud human nature. So understand this. In our human nature, we want to be independent. We want to rely on ourselves. We want to just move on to the next thing. But listen, listen, as a child of God, you're, you're not bound to that human nature anymore. You now have, a, have the nature of God's spirit within you. And that means that we're not just natural anymore. We're actually supernatural. I mean, I'm not saying that, 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 that you're God or anything like that. Don't misunderstand. I mean that you have the supernatural power of God at work in your life. And that's why all of a sudden now we're transformed and, and, we, and we can walk in the power of the Spirit and we can pray and we can seek the Lord. So what do we, what do we need to know then about living this life of prayer, of exhaling and inhaling in prayer as we walk through this life and we breathe as spiritual people. What do we need to know? Well, first of all, understand this. God invites us to seek his help in times of trouble. I want you to understand that. Write that down. God invites us to seek his help in times of trouble. God invites us to seek his help in times of trouble. You know, God said this in Psalm 50, call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you will honor me. 1 Peter 3.12 puts it like this, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his eyes uh, and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. When you look here at the scripture, you find some words of encouragement of how God invites us to seek his help in times of trouble. Verse 13 says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. You know, there's different, different times we go through in life, church. Different experiences we go through. I just want you to jot a few of these down. First of all, there are times of suffering. There are times of suffering. And here the word suffering, it it, it doesn't mean sick, all right? He's going to talk about that in a minute. It means hardships. It means distresses. The New International Version of the Bible says, is any one of you in trouble? Now listen, we're all going to go through some experiences in life. Some will seem to suffer more than others. In fact, it's amazing. You think about what some people suffer, especially in other parts of the world, sometimes suffering for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ being martyred and being persecuted. I, I just can't help but right now think about, how, you know, that, that, that news account. And I, was, and I saw and I was shown some pictures of, of how it looked and what happened there um, of, of those Egyptian Coptic Christians that were marched out by those ISIS terrorists there along the African beachfront and how they were slaughtered right there. And, and with my own eyes to see how the, how the ocean turned to blood and was so red to know that, that, these, that these Christians, these brothers in Christ were martyred, how they suffered. And then I think about how their bodies were just discarded and, and the suffering of their families, how their families were not even permitted to give them what you would call a proper burial. Oh, folks, there are folks that suffer. And I know even in this room right now, in your own way, your own personal way, perhaps you're feeling some suffering. 
Perhaps you're going through what you will call some times of trouble. Well, you know, there are different approaches to how you can deal with times of suffering. Right here in the Bible, in fact, uh, let me just point a few out here in James chapter 5. Look back up at verse 9. Verse 9, I think here's one approach. You see, you see some people when they're suffering, they're going through hardship, they grumble. The Bible says do not grumble against one another. Have you ever found that to be true? Sometimes you're going through a hard time and, and all of a sudden it just seems like, you know, other people just getting on your nerves. You just kind of want to grumble about them. Man, I'm so tired. Did you see what she did today? Did you see how he's acting? And so one approach when we're going through a hardship is sometimes we'll grumble. Let me show you another one. Look down at verse 12, same chapter, James 5. The Bible says, but above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now, when James is writing this, he's actually talking to people. They were going through some very tough suffering. Some of them were being persecuted. And so what they were doing is they were swearing different oaths. And there's all kinds of ways that we can swear in this life. Sometimes we go through, a, through hardship and hard times and all we can think of is, is profane swears. And we just want to say things that are profane and we just want to swear, don't we? And then sometimes what we'll do is, is we'll make different promises or perhaps you'll take different oaths and you'll say, well, you know what, this is the way it's going to be and this is how I'm going to live life and And understand this, the Bible says, listen, when you're going through suffering, when you're going through these times of trouble, here's what you're to do. You're to turn to God for comfort. You're to pray to God for comfort. Perhaps you're here today and you're going through some suffering. I want you to know you don't have to grumble and you don't have to swear. You can pray. You can pray. Sometimes... We suffer. That's a time of trouble. Sometimes we, we go through sickness. Look at verse 14. Is any one among you sick? Now, here, the idea of sickness, it, it literally means someone who is so sick, they can't even get out of bed on their own. In our context, this would be a person perhaps who's on hospice care, someone who's in the hospital, and they can't even get out of the bed. It's as if they don't even have the strength to pray. It means without strength. The same word is used in John chapter 4 to describe the royal nobleman's son who was about to die. The same word was used of Lazarus in John chapter 11, and Lazarus did end up dying. Acts chapter 9, the word here for sick was used of Dorcas, and that dear lady died shortly thereafter. Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2 was said to be sick like this, and he almost died. This This is describing a person who's going through a time of extreme, serious illness and sickness. And what I want you to know, when you're going through physical ailments and you're going through sickness, listen, listen, the Lord says, call upon me. Ask others to pray for you. Seek me in prayer. Talk to the Lord when you feel that your strength is failing. Turn to the Lord. But also, not just times of suffering and times of sickness, but I want you to see times of what I call spiritual struggle. Spiritual struggle. Look at verse 15. The Bible says the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins... 
he'll be forgiven if he's committed sins. You see that? Say amen. You, you see that? All right. If he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. You know, I, I can think about how times, perhaps, when we're going through suffering, maybe even sickness, maybe even a person's on their deathbed, and they begin to have regrets. They begin to have worries. They begin to think about failures in their life. They begin to grieve over their sins. You, you read on here, and you, and, you, and, you, and you look here in the Bible. In verse 19, how James says, My brothers, if any, uh, anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Listen, we all have spiritual struggles in this life. We all have weaknesses. We all, we all have these sins that sometimes can seem to plague us. And loved ones, I want you to know this. In times of trouble, listen, you, you can turn to the Lord. God invites us to seek his help in times of trouble. Don't ever forget that. I can think about it in my own life. I'll be perfectly honest with you here where, where it's so easy when, you know, when life's just going your way. And you're, and you're really living life in your own strength, and, and, and things are not, you're not having any problems. It's, it's, you just kind of put life on cruise control, don't you? We just kind of go through life. Then there have been times in my life where something will happen. And I will seek the Lord's help, and I will actually then have this thought. What a sorry, sorry person you are, Brian. You, you just go running to the Lord when you have trouble. Well, you know what? You know what? That could be conviction. It could be conviction of the Lord saying, listen, I want, you to, I want you to also seek me on the good days, Brian, okay? But you know what it could be? It could be a lie of the evil one. Because understand this, when I read this passage here, and when you even look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, who absolutely is God in the flesh, understand this. When people come to God with their needs, when people come to God in their times of trouble, God doesn't kick them to the curb. God receives them. That's the God you and I pray to. He doesn't put us on hold when we call him. It never goes to voicemail when you call God. Have you, have you discovered that? God is always right there because, listen, God has always been there. There are times it seems in my life when, quite honestly, I don't always seem to think about God. I may not even notice, but listen, God is always in the room with me. So I want you to remember this truth today. God invites you and me to seek his help in times of trouble. What a friend we have in Jesus. Remember that old hymn? Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. God knows me better than I know myself. Even as I preach this passage of Scripture to you today, it's as if God says, Son, Brian, listen to me. I love you. I know how you are. I knew you when you were knit together in your mother's womb. 
And for the almost 45 years of your life, Brian, I've been walking with you. I gave my son for you. I love you. I've been so patient with you. I know how you are. I know you better than you know yourself. Son, I know what's going to happen this afternoon. You don't. I know what's going to happen to your three children. You don't. Brian, you can always seek me in days of sadness and on days of gladness. Look real close at verse 13. Don't miss this. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. You know, it's so interesting here. There are, there are different days, aren't there? Let's just be honest, church. Aren't there some days that are days of sadness? But listen, listen. Even into the life that has experienced so much storm and so much rain, usually there's at least been a few rays of sunshine. This thought occurs to me. You know, on days of sadness and on days of gladness, I can turn to the Lord. Let him pray, let him praise. You know what's amazing to me is not so much that I have to deal with bad days. What's amazing, what really ought to be amazing to us is not that there are bad days, but listen, it ought to be amazing to us that there are actually good days. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we live in a world that is so overgrown with sin. We live in the midst, and James talks about this in the first part of James. We live in a world with so many temptations, with so many trials and so many tribulations. We live in a world so tainted by sin and we ourselves know what it is to battle sin. Listen, isn't it amazing that we live in a day where we actually sometimes laugh? Don't miss, don't miss the blessings of God in this life. When I was pastoring... And I'm this type of guy, sometimes I can just run hard and, man, I'm a hard pusher and kind of type A in that regards. I had this friend, he would always tell me. Sometimes, I remember one time, it was this time of year because we had this big, huge Easter thing and our church was growing and all these things of, quote, human success. And my friend, he, he, he looked at me, he said, you're already thinking about next year, aren't you? I said, yeah. I said, I can't help it. He says, listen, he says, listen, hey, look around. He says, there's an old saying, he says, and he told me, he said, stop and smell the roses a little bit. You know what? It is by the grace of God that God has allowed me to taste so much goodness in this life. And, and I tell you, perhaps take a few moments this week. Did this with our kids one time. We took the alphabet. We were riding in the car, and to be honest with you, Dad, I think we've been in the car. We were on some kind of family trip so long. I was trying to come up with something to do, and 
And I said, here's what we're going to do. And I said, uh, we're going to take the alphabet. Everybody, tell me, tell me something that starts with the letter of A that you're thankful for, that you want to thank God for. And the kids went around the car and they did that. We went through the whole alphabet. Now, it got tough and we got to X, but we got through it, all right? And I just want to tell you that old idea of stop and count your blessings, listen, ought not to be wasted on us. But be encouraged today. You can seek his help. Number two, just write this one down if you would. The church is provided for us by God with resources of help. I don't want you to miss this because this is so clear in the passage. Verse 15 says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick and the Lord will raise him up. But look right before that. Look right before that what we're to do. It says in verse 14, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. And, and, and then we're told that we're to pray for one another in verse 16. I want you to see here, write this down. The church is provided for us by God with resources of help. Don't, don't miss the blessing of the church in our life. You know, the church is, is, is one of the blessings of God's grace in our lives. Two resources are mentioned here. You have spiritual leaders and you have fellow members. As, as people in this church, listen, you have spiritual leaders to pray for you. But understand this. The Bible here says, by the way, remember, your spiritual leaders are not mind readers, all right? It says here, let the sick person call for your spiritual leader. So listen, by the way, let me just kind of say parenthetically here, on behalf of all ministers and deacons and leaders in a church, please listen. You're going through a tough time. Let us know, all right? And in this day and age, I'll just, I'll just be real modern here. In this day and age, I tell people, people say, well, I'll email you or I'll text you or whatever. I say, listen, if I don't respond to you, hit me again, all right, because I could lose it or it could get deleted or I could forget about it. Listen, listen, understand this. We're all human beings, all right? And so listen, help your spiritual leaders along a little bit. Show some patience with them. But spiritual leaders, let us take seriously. There are people among us who are desperate for our prayers, that's why, as pastors, we have, to, we have a need. We need sometimes to be reminded by one another. We had an event this past week for pastors around this state, and we were encouraging them, listen, 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 I know you may be kind of introverted. I know you may want to go in there and study the Bible, but every now and then, get out amongst the sheep, all right? God will work through some of those things that you've got to figure out in your sermon. He'll give you time. He'll, you'll redeem the time. You need spiritual leaders to pray for you. But listen, listen, listen. Be patient with your spiritual leaders too. I think about the times I've been called as a pastor to come alongside people. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm asked oftentimes about the pastorate. And even now that I'm not pastoring one particular church, and I've so been blessed, so enjoy, and am, and am enjoying our time together serving as your interim. But, but I, I tell you, I, I think about as a pastor, and really, any spiritual leader, it is a blessing and a privilege to get to serve in this kind of role because people invite you to come alongside them in some of life's toughest times. So I want you to remember, you have the church as a resource, but don't forget, you have one another. You have one another. That's why I want to encourage you, listen, if you're not in a Bible fellowship group and you're not in some kind of small group where you're getting to know folks, and I know people are busy and all this and that, listen, you need to get involved in some type of support group here at the church and understand this, we are to pray for one another. So don't, don't forget the church is a tremendous resource. But then thirdly, I want you to see this. Because you could read this chapter and you could think that prayer is somewhat for the super saints. Because there's this illustration where Elijah is mentioned. 
And you have to understand that Elijah was considered by many people reading this letter to be kind of like one of these super people in the church, all right? He was kind of one of these superheroes of their Old Testament faith. But I want you to see what it says. Look with me. Just look at verse 17 a little bit closer. The Bible says in James 5, verse 17, Elijah was a man, do you see what it says next? With a nature like ours. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. What James is saying is saying, listen, Elijah prays fervently, but understand this. He was a man just like you, sir. He wasn't all that different. And it brings me to this third encouragement. We pray as ordinary people who have an extraordinary God. Don't forget the point in our prayers is that as we pray, listen, listen, we pray as ordinary people, but we pray to an extraordinary God. You see, really, I'm going to live my life in one of two ways, either in prideful independence or prayerful dependence. You know, God calls us to seek his face in times of trouble. God reminds us that we have the church to call upon And God says, listen, you pray to me. I'm your extraordinary God. You bring your ordinary prayers to me. I'm your extraordinary God. I wonder perhaps in here right now, if there are any among us, perhaps there are some prayer needs or some concerns in your life or some things weighing on your heart. I want to give you an opportunity as we sing our song of response for you, perhaps even today, to just come to this altar and to seek the Lord in prayer. For you to come and say, oh God, here's something I just, I need to lay out before you. Perhaps just in your day, listen, listen, don't make prayer harder than it has to be. Just talk with God. Perhaps you want to write out some of your prayer needs on a piece of paper, on an index card, in the fly leaf of your Bible. Perhaps in your Bible, you've not written down the names of your children, of your grandchildren. Just write them down sometime today. Maybe take a few minutes, Bible fellowship leaders in your class today, and just just take a few minutes and just say, listen, folks, we're going to take a few minutes. Everybody just write down the names of some loved ones. You all, listen. Listen. We're too busy not to pray. Don't just stand there. Pray something. God has given us this tremendous invitation to seek his face. So I want you to stand to your feet right now. Stand to your feet and bow your heads with me in prayer. And I want to just begin this time of prayer. Some of you may want to sing this song as a praise or as a confession of worship. Others, you may just want to pray today right where you are. Come here and kneel and pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed right now for this time of response and prayer. Now, if you're here and you've never put your faith in Christ, Andy and I will be down front. We'll be ready to pray with you and talk with you. But right now, more than anything, cross this room. I want you just to know you can just talk to the Lord. Father, thank you for this invitation to pray. And God, I pray now all across this room, we'll just, we'll just begin to exhale and to talk with you. Oh God, speak to us, I pray today. Help us to know we can talk with you as we walk with you. 
May we not just stand here. Help us to pray something, Lord. In Jesus' name.